This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. We are podcasting live today from a location that has a cat, and so I am happy. And I am also happy to be joined today by two of Hale Varsity's writers, not just one. We got Greg Smith to my left. Hello. And we got Erin Sorensen in front of me. Hi. Typing away furiously on her keyboard like she always is oh, when we podcast. we just have so it's much to do this week. You, I just can always hear when I play these back and when I go through editing, I can just always hear the, the, the your typing, typing the it's little fine. tapping. It's you fine. say it's fine, but you're not the one that it bugs. It bothers you. Horribly during editing. We're letting our feelings out so far. We are letting our feelings out. It's a week about being thankful. This isn't grievances yet. Let's talk about your turkey take. Okay. Let's get this back on track. Turkey is trash. Like that, I'd have no problem like saying at all. Turkey is trash. I don't understand you guys that eat it. Like, I really don't. Like, if, I don't understand. If you're going to eat turkey, why don't you just go, like, better and eat chicken? Like, I really don't understand. It's dry. Because it's, like, not, not the tradition. You need That's what gravy. gravy is for. No, you should not need the gravy to actually make it edible. Like, I don't, I just don't understand. And, furthermore, turkey gravy is, like, at the bottom of the gravy power ranking. Okay, so, so okay, do you eat cereal by itself without any milk? <laughs> no. Why not? Because, <laughs> because that'd be weird. <laughs> so you put some kind of, like... But that's it, are, that's the are, accessory that it goes with. Gravy <laughs> like, goes with turkey. They're like wearing like what shoes and socks. Sorry, turkey lube. Is that yeah, what turkey Bob's lube. Called it? Yeah, that's what it lube. is. That's what it's for. But it's not. Uh, no. Like no, I've never. Like I've never put been. turkey on a shelf. So so you have ham for turkey and you have ham for ham for turkey ham for Thanksgiving and you have ham for Christmas. Yes and yes. Okay. Yeah, and then you have your leftover ham sandwiches. That's delicious. Oh, no, turkey sandwiches. No. Let's talk about football. Okay. Does that sound good with yeah. everybody? Work I'm good everybody? with it. Yeah, football. Later on in this podcast, uh, we're going to be joined by Jordan Hansen, who, black heart gold pants, I think? He writes for the Iowa SB Nation site and uh, came from Iowa, has been around Iowa football for a while. He's in Montana covering Montana uh, high school sports currently, um, but we will talk to him in a little bit, get his take on Iowa season and, and get his take a little bit on Iowa, Nebraska, that will be happening Friday, a day early this week on Black Friday. Um, right now, we're going to talk about Nebraska's end to the season because 0-6 start, they got a very realistic chance at 5-1 and to close out the season in the back half. I wrote a story on HaleVarsity.com that just looked at the numbers Um first half of the season compared to the last half and there's a pretty significant difference like it's not just one of those things where you know you hear players talk about oh we're just a different team now than we are like you can see it on the field and you can see it in the box score and you can see it in in statisticians graphs or charts or what have you um after the game like it's a very real thing scott frost for coach of the year who's with me I mean, I'd be fine with that because I'm going to... Well, you're already going to Atlanta. I'm going to Atlanta for the college football 
awards, so it would be nice if he could win again, but I feel like that's not going to happen. Not because he obviously is so deserving, I just think it's going to go to someone else. I think you think he's not deserving. You're right, that's exactly Haterade. what I said. I hate okay, him. so I don't, so, so I'm going to join the Haterade train and say he won't win it this year. I like how, like, I didn't even say, like, <laughs> but it's like, now it's a Haterade train. But, but, my real question, though, for both of you, then, is, is the way that they've had success on the back half of the season, would that hurt him from winning it next year? Say, no. they, say if they win 10 games next year? No. Because I think... If they get off to a really good start next year and they have a really good season next year, I think a lot of people will look at that season as just kind of a continuation of these last six games. And I think he will get credit with for these last six games as well as however many they win next year. Like, it'll be taken all in context together. Um, and people will be like, that, that 0-6 start was the first part. This is the second part of Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska. Look at what he has done. Mm-hmm. I can see that. So a shot at a shot at I was half joking with the coach of the year thing. Just half, just half joking. Just half, just half joking. Just half joking. I mean five and one is pretty good. Big Ten Coach of the Year. Big Ten West Coach of the Year. <laughs> coach of the Year for a Big Ten West team that plays in a cold weather climate with in a Nebraska. lot of corn. And except except for Nebraska's like the warmest school out of all of the like schools in the Big Ten. It's such a strange mm-hmm. Oh, weather has come up so much over the last week. It's supposed to rain on Saturday, if anyone's curious. I just wanted to snow again. That that scene at the end of the Michigan State game was amazing. It was amazing. 9-6 win, winning on senior day, all the all the guys running around in the snow, making snow angels at the end of the game. It was just a really, really incredible scene. It was a good way to cap off senior day for the senior class that hasn't had a ton of feel-good moments this year. Um, so back back to what I was trying to originally get at. 5-1. and one. A shot to finish 5-1. and one. What I mean, would you have seen this playing out like this? Because if they're six and six, a lot of people predicted six and six to begin the season. Would any of you, or I guess either of you, is not more than two of you, would either of you have expected this close or this type of season? No, I mean I can say that I really thought that. So my original prediction going into the season was six and six, which seems like I was pretty close when you think about the chance of them ending five and seven. Uh, the difference was is I really thought a bulk of those wins would come in the first half of the season. I thought that they were going to go 3-0 and to start the season with wins over Akron, Colorado, and Troy. I then thought that Michigan game would probably be their first loss. You know, potentially you never know with Jim Harbaugh. He sometimes has hiccups along the road. But that Michigan team, as we've seen, has been really, really – it is really, really good. Um, I think I, they're one of the four best teams in the country. And so do I. I, I yeah. think the gap between them and everybody else is pretty significant. Yeah, so that made sense that Nebraska lost that one. And then I saw – you know, there's an opportunity for three more wins through the season. You know, we always know that Nebraska and Northwestern historically play it close. That's sort of just the way that goes. Uh, Purdue has sort of been on the up and up, so you just never knew with them. But I figured over the, the second half of the season – there would be three games that they could win. Um, I even thought maybe they could, you know, potentially get to seven and five if they, you know, got one over Wisconsin, which was actually more possible than we even realized. Um, But the reality is, is, again, I thought a bulk of the wins were going to come in the first half of the season and the second half was going to be more losses, but teams getting – 
a Nebraska team that was putting them up, like fighting for it. Like, Opponents fight. getting all they could handle. Yeah, and and I felt like that was sort of a moral victory in of itself. Even if there are no moral victories, it was like that. You could like hang your hat on that and be like, okay, you're going to go to a bowl game. You can feel good about building momentum into this, you know, into the second year under Frost's um, system. But what they've sort of shown me is they took a year zero and a year one and sort of just compounded, compounded it all into like this like crazy month where they just had these come to Jesus moments and for whatever reason they won games the second half of the season I did not expect them to so I mean props to this Nebraska team I think had they I and I really don't mean like they would have been 12 and 0 so I don't want people to think that but if they could have had that Akron game I think we would have been looking at a very different season I think you could have easily seen potentially 7 and 5 maybe 8 and 4 you know that feels still like a a big leap but I think I think that we would have seen a very different season if they could have gotten one win under their belt very early in the season. You can justify it given the way that they're playing now. I remember yeah. t- I was talking to Mo Berry on Monday, and he told me that that Colorado game they 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 that they remember that one. Um, that one hurts because you know he phrased it to me. They feel like they played in that Colorado game the way that they're playing right now to close the season. He's like, if they just could have gotten the win in that game, then those feel-good moments like Tyron Ferguson said this week that they got addicted to winning like that stuff would have happened earlier like that that schedule would have been started earlier and also if Adrian doesn't get hurt like we can play revisionist history all we want um Greg answer I I started to cut you off (laughs) no you're fine I actually so I've come to go the other way a little bit on the hey if they had started the season with that initial game and maybe gotten a win that they would have been okay maybe but I think it would have been like a false situation right no it's plain so I think that going through what they went through with all the adversity and the losses piling up I think helped to weed out more guys that didn't need to be around I think it helped to really have the the players take to the message that the coaching staff was giving them and saying okay listen what we're doing and the way that we're trying to do it as players maybe the way we've always done it is not getting it done we need to listen to these guys they know what they're talking about let's get on board and fully buy in um, I, I, I don't know if that happens as quickly if they don't have those losses which is odd to say but at the same time I kind of think that that's how it went Um, but I so then because of all that though I still am surprised that they have the chance to go five and one because you just don't see teams start zero and six and then hit the switch and magically within a season like completely turn their season around usually it goes in the tank yeah, and so they stop like caring. They, yeah, they just stop caring and whether or not that's the players on the team or if you even see coaches mailing it in. And one of the things that I'm always struck by, and, and a lot of players have said this to me, is that the coaching staff never changed throughout any of this. They came to work excited, happy to be there. They were giving it their all. They were putting everything they had into those game plans. So the players had no choice but to reciprocate that and do the exact same thing. Now that that was really key and a real testament to this coaching staff and I think credit needs to go to both sides the coaches and the players for really sticking with this and then coming through the other side it is amazing even if they lose the game against Iowa like it's amazing what they've done on the back half of this season well you you look back think back to the Ohio State game a lot of the message from at least the defensive guys after that game was about how much work the coaching staff put into the game plan that was a two and six football team going on the road to play a top 10 Ohio State program that they just hadn't even belonged on the field with the last two seasons and a lot of the message was yeah these guys uh spent a lot of 
tireless nights working and getting this game plan ready to go. Um, and I think, you know, it showed. Like, I, I, I think if they don't start 0-6, like the scene that Davison tweeted out in the locker room after the game against Michigan State, if they hadn't started 0-6, if they had started something like 3-3, and 2-4, and something like that, that scene doesn't happen. I think one of the the biggest advantages this team has right now is the like family environment around it and the amount of love that they have for their coaching staff, the amount of love that they have for their teammates, because everybody keeps talking about brother to your left, brother to your right, the amount of love that the coaching staff has for the players. I don't think you get that much of it if they start two and four, three and three. Like that 0 and six start, I think really just you know, they they hunker down and they're like, look, this we're all we got. Let's prove people wrong. Um, and I think that that because I think that family, like you know what I'm trying to say. I think that family aspect that they have in the locker room is a big advantage for this team moving forward. I think it's a, it's a huge advantage, and just from my like daily point of view of talking to recruits, I hear it all the time. Yeah, like it's if I'd made a top five list of like most common things I hear from recruits, that's way up there. Um, the family atmosphere, like, and it's weird because I've pressed kids on it on you know what's different about Nebraska, like what, like because it's almost surprising to me in a way when kids say stuff like you know I've been to and they've named schools like. I've been to Illinois and it doesn't feel like this. I'm like, well, why? Like, it just feels like at Nebraska, they actually genuinely care about you as a person, not just as a football player. And that's the staff, the coaches, and the other players on the team. Like, it just feels like everybody cares about each other. And then, if you, if, especially guys that were here, oops, sorry, guys that were here for the Michigan State game say, I definitely saw that in the locker room post game as well. So, that scene that you're describing that Matt tweeted out um, was definitely something that. That people took notice of, and I think it, it, it will continue um, throughout the time that Frost is here. Aaron, you were about to say something? No, I agree. I So, I don't want to sit here and imply, and I think it's really unfair to previous, and so this is why I try to always, I try to always be very careful with how I say some of these things and how I present it, because I think it can get really dangerous to imply that, like, teams before this one did not feel strongly about one another did not feel like they were a family no i'm not i'm no, not no, no, saying no, no. that at i know all. but i think i think the reason i'm saying this is i think that is something that um i think that's something that sort of has happened a little bit this season is the want to compare and there's plenty to compare but i definitely don't want to ever like imply that like the seniors last year or players in the past did not were not a part of something that um is special so i think where i see the biggest difference with what scott frost and his team or and his uh, staff have done for this team is they have made them feel they just have made them feel like they're a part of something that's bigger than themselves because the one complaint that people always had with Bo Pelini is his us against the world, which is great, which is great if you like think you're like containing it into a room, but it's also not great because then it's like you're shoving out everyone else. Like fans can't be involved. Um, recruits can't even be involved. It's like it's us in this locker room versus all of you. And then you had Mike Riley who came in who was, you know, of a different perspective, but almost like it didn't feel like he was – Unfortunately, like as as he was very like welcoming and whatever, but the big complaint with him was that it didn't feel like his staff made a big 
enough push to get former players back. They weren't extending or maybe making it easy for former players to be on the sidelines to come and join. Now, he did have them at practice, but it still that was the kind of the vibe is that it just didn't feel like he was being super inclusive. I think where this family environment has come from is Frost and his staff saying, it's not just us in this locker room that are a family. It's every single person who walks in the store. It's every single fan that's in the stadium every single week, no matter the outcome, 0-6, you're here. And it's also all of the former players who they want to not only come back and watch practice, but they want them on the sideline on Saturdays every fall. That's, I think, what's helpful to the team and the players because then they see that. They see that everyone's in this together. Jacob even made a joke yesterday about how we're all in this together. We were talking about how we have a lot more access to players than other programs do to tell stories. And it was funny because it kind of made me think of it. It's like, yeah, in the media, we're sort of in this too. Like we, we feel a part of the team. And when you've got coaches that are also wanting to like include us, make us feel like that, it just helps. And I think that helps the locker room. So I think that's the biggest difference for me is they're very inclusive. They want everyone a part of it. They would have had the entire stadium in that locker room in that big massive group hug if they could have. Like that's sort of the way it feels. Is this Nebraska season a success if it does not include a bowl game? If I had asked you this question in the beginning of the season, I think your answer would be different than it is right now. Aaron, we'll start with you. Is this season, can, can you... Do you consider this season a success, even though it's probably 99.5% certain that it's not going to end in a bowl game? Yeah, I I don't think bowl games are end-all, be-all. Honestly, a lot of times the best thing about them is they give you extra practices, and that's that's for sure the one thing that Nebraska could have used as additional practices. So that's that's the bummer for me but I don't I don't rank this season based on getting to a bowl game or not I I never did I thought what I thought would be a successful season was six and six get to a bowl game that felt like a success but the bowl game part wasn't so much it's like okay cool you're going to the pinstripe bowl whatever like that could be fun but it's not like whatever the biggest thing practices um but I think the strides that they made as a team is where you can counted as a success I mean just looking at how many yards they're putting up on offense every single week um, I think that Michigan State game is what you can mark as a success watching them not only be able to put up a lot of points against a lot of other teams but then also to play hard-nosed football when they have to in elements and conditions that require them to you're seeing a lot of positives with this Nebraska team that I think you can ultimately call a success with or without a bowl game because again bowl games are usually just any not to like burst anybody's like reality bubbles on this, but outside of like your top tier bowl games, these are pretty much to make money and they want people to come so that they make money. Now they're really fun. It's just not like the worst thing ever. I think for programs though, it's a little bit of a selling point when you're on the recruiting trail. It is for sure. But I'm just saying like, if I'm Scott Frost right now and I'm trying to, I'm trying to pitch a successful season, I'm going to be showing them the numbers on the offense. I'm going to be showing them what they were capable of doing, what they want to keep doing. I would be showing them the takeaways, um, that the defense has been able to like the, yep. The change just in everything. Yep. The, the, just the change across the board, defense, offense, everything. That's what you show them because, in my opinion, if they had gotten to six wins, gotten to a bowl game, but they were only putting up like three hundred, like what would what was last year's like average, whatever like last year's average of like offense numbers are, or like you have a ton of interceptions, or your defense isn't actually doing anything. 
great. So you're like, hey, here, let me pitch this pinstripe bowl to you. But, like, our offense isn't going to actually get you involved. Like, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a recruit. Well, let's look. Last year, Nebraska ranked 94th in the country in points scored and scoring offense. And their offense ranked 81st in the country by S&P+. Success rate 100th. Uh, expected turnover margin 121st. Actual turnover margin 105th. This year... Their offense ranks 43rd in S&P+, success rate at 20. Expected turnover margin is 26th. Actual turnover margin is 77th. Improvements everywhere. Big improvement. Yeah. Success, even though this season doesn't include a bowl game. So coming into the season, I would have said, no, you can't have success, a successful season without going to a bowl game because you have to get back to that standard around here where that's expected. Um, and now after seeing this season unfold, yeah, I think there are a lot of successful things about this season and things that you can take away. Um, it, it's just wild. Like it's just a lot of things that have happened this year just are things that just don't happen, right? You don't. It feels like you're describing a bunch of moral victories when you say, "Oh yeah, well the offense has been better. They're playing harder. Like they're better. They're much more well coached. Um, all of those things." But it, it's actually true. <laughs> like it's a weird thing, um, and that's true without them going to a bowl game. But I would throw in an extra thing and an advantage for them not going to a bowl game. And you don't want this to be the norm, but it will be better for this staff recruiting wise to not have a bowl prep so it'll stink because you don't get those extra practices and it's a young football team and you want those practices but nebraska being able to get out on the road on sunday right away and they're going to hit the ground running um and not have to worry about prepping for a bowl or a conference championship game um will be an advantage for them also it gives them the best of both worlds because they do have so much improvement to sell within the season that they will it's not going to be like selling a normal five and seven or four and eight season like it's going to be really interesting to see unfold does does the benefit of being able because the coaches have talked about this this week i think it was troy walters that said like right after this game ends like they're hitting the recruiting trail really hard and they're sending guys everywhere does the benefit of that and not having to prep for a bowl game does that kind of offset some of the challenges that were presented by not having a bye week earlier in the season and having to go 12 straight weeks 12 straight weeks of game planning and not being able to get guys out recruiting as much as they would have liked to. I know they did, but it wasn't as much as you would like if you had like an actual bye week. Yeah, if you look at it that way, I think it does balance out a little bit. And like you said, they did send guys out, and I'm still kind of amazed that they were able to kind of uh, under the radar send guys out on a consistent basis since like probably like week 3 or so. Um since they knew for sure that they weren't going to have that bye week, they've been sending people out. Um, but yeah, I think I think it offsets, and it, it's going to be a wild ride to see how this all goes because they're going to rack up some frequent flyer miles around the country. Yeah, and I was going to say, um, I mean, obviously your ultimate goal is to get to a bowl game at the end of the day, but this is sort of a best case scenario right now for the staff because when you think about it. Look what they did on the recruiting trail last year when they were prepping for the Peach Bowl with UCF while also recruiting for Nebraska. That was sort of amazing when you think about it in hindsight. They did not sleep for a month. Um, And they not only coached a team to a Peach Bowl victory, but they also 
recruited really well for an entirely separate team. So you imagine like when they have the ability to just focus on recruiting for this one team without really any other distractions. Now, would they have taken the bowl game practices? Absolutely. They would not have turned those down if they're there. But when you have a guy like Scott Frost who's looking at how he gets the right athletes for this program, especially for the defense, which is the one thing we've talked a lot about is this defense has shown what it can do, but they still need a certain type of athlete to keep coming into it to make it successful. You now have the ability to sort of really focus on that, hone in on that for a few weeks and not have to worry about anything else. So if you think about it that way, they're also getting sort of like a time to just focus and continue to completely flip this program and this roster, which considering they haven't even been coaching here a full year yet, that's sort of an advantage right now if you look at it like that. Yeah, and I would add to this, and I'll end up writing about this, um, is that this being the first time that Nebraska's uh, staff gets to have a second go-round of something while they're at Nebraska, meaning they like the recruiting staff was here and in place um, last season while they were doing that prep, right? Um, and they were selling the program during the off-season and having official visits. Well, this is now the second season that they'll be able to do that, the second time around they'll be able to do it. And I think that'll be a big advantage for them as now they actually know where stuff is. Like, I can't imagine what it was like for them last year when they come here all of a sudden, like it wasn't all of a sudden, but they get here to take this new job. They don't really, aren't comfortable, don't know where things are, offices and that sort of thing. And they're having to take recruits around and show them and sell them on the program. So it's really remarkable what they were able to do last year and now that they're all comfortable and settled here I think that'll be another big advantage for them going forward for this um, time of recruiting as we go through December so here's the way I look at it your your bowl game practices that would have come if they had made a bowl game you obviously want those that sucks that you're not getting those but I think I think we can all be in agreement that's a little bit offset by the fact that you've got a chance to hit the recruiting show a little bit harder and a little bit more focused to me a bowl game because like you said there are a lot of crappy bowls there, there, like I don't. But you can have a lot of fun at a lot of crappy bowls. Regardless. I don't, I don't want to go. What's like the cherry bowl or some shit like that? Like I don't want to go to like if you're a program, like you don't want to go to that. The toilet bowl. Sure. You want to go to the Popeyes bowl. Like if you're if you're not in one of the no. the top tier bowl games or one of the bowl games that's played around the time of New Year's Eve. Like to me, a bowl game. It's not about the actual game. It's about what the game represents. It's about mm-hmm. we are one of the, you know, however many best teams in the country. Like, we earned a bid to a bowl game. Somebody wanted to bring us here. It's about, like, it's it's a selling point in that regard. But at the same time, to me, it's like it's like another loss that could Nebraska could potentially have that now they're not going to have. Well, that's what and I was just going to say because uh, I'm looking. Hold on. I need to um, – I'm pulling up the schedule because – Well, it's like they could they could – end this season five and one and then have a month break and things maybe cool off a little bit and they hit a team that they're not prepared for they hit a team that's a little bit better it's maybe at six and six but a little bit better than six and six and it's like oh they lose and then you just get left all off season long with this bad taste in your mouth i mean that bowl game can sort of set you up for it, it does sort of the results of your bowl game sort of set you up for the next several months and what sort of becomes like especially as teams start to get into the talk of like too early predictions for the next season everything so i was going to use the example of um, the Foster Farms Bowl from 2015, Mike Riley's first season. Um, they played UCLA. They beat them 37-29. to 29. There was a lot of excitement after that because that season hadn't gone really well. They lost to Iowa. They'd lost to Northwestern. They'd lost to Purdue. Uh, lost to Illinois. I mean, they lost 14-13 to 13 to Illinois. People were feeling 
pretty and that was also the BYU um, Hail Mary that they lost to so people were not feeling great at that time and so then they go to the Foster Farms Bowl they defeat UCLA people are feeling so I remember that offseason everyone was talking about like how things had finally changed and then they went into that next season and they won seven straight now whether you agreed was that seven one two three four five six seven? Yep, and then yeah, we lost seven. to Wisconsin in mm-hmm. overtime. Yeah, but it was, was what was funny is that hype that built out of that bowl game, out of the Foster Farms Bowl, was huge. And yeah, as, as a member of the media, there was some responsibility that fell on us. But like, maybe they were not as good as maybe they weren't as great as the ranking ultimately gave them. I think they got as high as like. Seven. I don't think it was a maybe. It was definitely a, they were yeah, not. They were definitely nobody, they were definitely, nobody outside of Nebraska thought that that team was actually a top ten ranked team. No, but they were definitely not like. They were definitely in, like, the top, like, between, like, ranked, like, somewhere between, they like... They were a top 25 team. Yeah. I, I would even say, like, somewhere, I was going to say somewhere between, like, 11 and 20. Like, they were in yeah, that I was going to say somewhere. 15. Yeah, I was going to say they were about a 15 team. But those bowl games can have a huge effect on the future. Because then you remember, they get to the end of that, and that, that season just fell off. They started, like, it was, like, once they got to Wisconsin, lost in overtime, that season fell off. They played Tennessee in the Music City Bowl that year, and Tennessee beat them 38-24. to And I remember the mood after that game. If I could have, like, bottled that mood for now, it was like we almost could have seen the writing on the wall coming at that moment with that Tennessee game. So bowl games can tell you a lot about the direction of the offseason, and they can also kind of tell you a lot about the direction of a program, right, in that moment. It's sort of the, like... It's sort of giving you, is it an exclamation mark? Is it a question mark? Is it a period on an end of a season? And so that's why I think right now for Nebraska heading into this year, Iowa has now become their bowl game. Mm-hmm. Iowa's yeah, going to tell you what we're going to be talking about through the entire offseason. Because I think if they win, that changes the discussion quite a bit. If they lose, but lose very late, like a very small margin, not like people won't be happy, but they won't be like angry. Now, if Iowa goes out there and drops another 40 to 10 like they did two years ago, I think that that might give some people some reservation about, like, what have we just watched now over the last, you know, several weeks. So these last last games, whether it's final game Iowa of the season or a bowl game, they they can kind of, like, they're going to shape what we're going to talk about for the next several months. Yeah, it's recency bias to the highest order. And, like, you, you made the comment, um, it, it feels like I was, like, talking myself out of a bowl game. Like, Nebraska's, like, the benefit of going to a bowl game, which I'm not. Like, you made the comment, like, they need to get to a point where making, simply making a bowl game is not the standard. The standard is, like, making one of the good bowl games that we talked about. Um, but, like, you know, this this Iowa game is their bowl game right now. It is. And and it's a, it's such a weird thing because one of the things, like, I don't know if I've gotten the sense fully that like the players are in like Iowa hate mode or like they are like, I don't want to say that they're not super fired up about it. Like I have a hard time gauging because Scott Frost tries to downplay all big games as everything's the same, which I, I tend to dislike in coaches to be Mm -hmm. honest, because I I want you to embrace big games. Um, It's just because I think the fans are embracing it um, and your players are likely embracing it behind the scenes so you might as well too well they haven't we've been listening uh, them all week yeah, yeah so like it's so it's just a, an interesting thing but like it's also a very personal game because a lot of these seniors have not had success against Iowa like so they and so I feel like they want to get over the hump in this game as well let's take a break and get to my interview with uh, Jordan Hansen we will uh talk a little bit more Iowa with him and then we'll talk Iowa with Greg and Aaron when we come back.
All right. So joining us now on the podcast, he joined us last year. Uh, he is a, hopefully people don't get mad at me for saying this. He's a, he's a buddy of mine. He's a good friend of mine. Jordan Hansen uh, covers Montana sports out for the Montana Standard, um, also from Iowa. So he writes about the Hawkeyes for Blackheart Gold Pants. Uh, that's the SB Nation site that covers the Hawkeyes. Um, Jordan, welcome back to the podcast, man. How you doing? Great, man. It's 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 great to be back, and I'm I'm, I'm happy to be back on here talking a little Iowa Nebraska football, man. That's always a good one, and and you know I'm looking I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You are the reigning. Did you win our fantasy basketball league last year, or did you play in the did. title game? You did. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, I won. I won. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gunning for a second straight, man. I'm coming after you this year. My team is much better this year. Did you? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, did it is. Did you see? This like just happened, but Kevin Durant apparently told Yahoo Sports Chris Haynes uh, that grown men shouldn't be going to other sporting events and heckling other grown men. So my first question to you. <laughs> Uh, because I have a lot of questions about that statement. My first question to you is, is Kevin Durant the weakest athlete in sports? And my second question is, feels like there's going to be a lot of heckling at this game this weekend. Are you okay with that? Yes and yes. I mean, <laughs> uh, Kevin Durant's uh, uh, mental state is always a, is always a good, uh, good thing to talk about because it's not very strong and I, you're an athlete. You're an athlete. Of course, people are going to be heckling you. That's that's like that's like that's like part of part of the sport, man. Always it doesn't matter what sport it is. Heckling heckling is just part. Of it. You got to deal with it. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of heckling. There's going to be a lot of heckling this weekend. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So the two fan bases, obviously Nebraska and Iowa, don't like each other. Um, the players from Nebraska's side of things, um, it, there, there's a little bit of extra juice going, given. You know, the last time they went to Iowa City, it was 40-10. to 10. Um, And the last time they played Iowa, it was like, what, 56-14 to 14 or whatever that score was last year. Um, there are players that haven't watched that tape, mm-hmm. that don't plan to watch that tape. Um, they're like Luke Gifford, a senior linebacker for Nebraska, hasn't even played against Iowa. Like he's missed the games with injuries and things like that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of motivation for players in this game. Scott Frost has kind of been vocal about, hey, look, we don't, we don't get up more for one game than we do for another game. We try to take it game by game. Um, he, he made the comment Wednesday afternoon that we try to kill uh, that notion that you get up for a game or you, that, that you get up for a rivalry game. Um, he said they try to kill that in their program. I'm curious what Iowa's approach to this game is. Is it similar to Nebraska's coaching staff in the sense that, look, we're just taking this, it's just another game for us, it's day day by day, Um Nebraska's the last team on the schedule we play before we go play a bowl game or is it you know similar to the fan base where it's like yeah we hate these guys I honestly think that inside the program it's we hate these guys and I, I honestly think and I think one of the reasons why the scores have been the way that they have is is, is Kirk Ferentz takes this game a little bit personally I'm not entirely sure why but I, I think that it, it, it kind of stems back from um, some of the stuff that the, the comments that you know, I care made a while, or, you know, a couple of years ago, stuff like that, and and I, I just, I mean, Kirk Kirk Ferentz is a very um, sometimes a very petty person, and I, I think that he just takes this game so seriously, and and it's it, it's, it's interesting about how you know talk about rivalries and stuff like that, and you know, I, I really think Kirk takes all the trophy games and all of those like close 
close close rivalry games, um, you know, into into extra consideration. Yeah, like it, on the outside, it'll be like, oh, we don't take this that seriously. But but I really think the players and the and the coaching staff take it personally, and and it's 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 a big deal inside the locker room. I I, I really do. I, I I think that. Okay, let's. Uh, I I like that. Like I want people to make a big deal out of rivalry games. Like I don't like I don't like that Scott is just like, yeah, it's just another game for us. Like I want you to hate each other. Like and publicly hate each other. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Yep. Yep. No, no, I'm 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 right there with you. So let's talk about Iowa um and the season that they've had for a little bit because like I was telling you this before we started recording this podcast, like Iowa's one of the teams in the Big Ten that we're like, this is the last game of the season. I still don't know who they are. Like, I don't know what kind of team they are. Like, they had the 63 nothing win over Illinois last week. Um, I don't really know how much to take away from that. Like, like did Nebraska break Iowa or Illinois? Is Illinois really just that terrible of a team and they looked good against Nebraska? Like, but also, Iowa had lost three games heading into that 63 nothing blowout. So, what, I mean, what is going on? I'm looking at S&P rankings, and they're 19th defensively, and they're 78th offensively. Um, what I mean, what? How would you characterize this season? And do you kind of get that same? Yeah, I don't really know what you are feel from the Hawkeyes. In a word, frustration. Um, this is this, this is the most frustrated that, that during that three game losing streak was the most frustrated that I've seen Iowa fans since probably. Uh, 2012 and Iowa went 4-8. And, and I, I really don't say that lightly. I, I just, the, the, starting off 6-1, and one, you know, going in, you know, really to the, to the Penn State game, um, you know, you're, you're, you're ranked, you know, top 20 in, in, this, in, in college football, and people were, were pumped, and then they lost, and then they lost, and then they lost. And, I mean, I'm kind of with you, man. I, I watched... I've watched all these games twice and you know, it's, I still don't have that much to read on what exactly this team is. I mean, you, you, there, there's, there's been small things all year that, that should have gone in a different way than what they did. Um, the, there's been a huge fight about well, fight more just arguing about um, tight end usage, you know, how they're using Stanton Hawkinson, you know, how they're using their, their running backs, you know, just, it, it's just been all over the place. And, uh, yeah, and, and like he brought up S and T rankings. Yeah, their, their defense is great, but it's also had some really bad moments. I mean, that Purdue game was was the worst I've seen Iowa play defense in a while. And you know, then then they turn around and you know shut out Nebraska for their their, their second straight or second straight their their second Big Ten uh, shutout of the year. And it's just, I, I mean, this team's identity has just been weird all year and. Uh, you know, it, it's just one of those seasons that Iowa had a very favorable schedule as far as things go, and the, and the West has been kind of down this year, and and and, and it should have led to more wins, and and this it didn't, and it's just it's just been frustrating all year. Like, is Nate Stanley good? Is he a is he a top five uh, um, quarterback? You know, in in the nation as far as drafting goes, I don't necessarily mean like you know, um, you know, college football wise, but you know, drafting wise, you know. How good are how good are Noah Fant and T.J. Hawkinson? You know how how good is this defense actually? And yeah, it's just I don't know. Like I said, frustration. Let's uh let's talk about the tight ends first. Um, I want to talk about the running backs, and then I want to talk about kind of 
replacing Josie Jewell um, in a little bit. But let's talk about the tight ends first because between Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, they've got it, it's a thousand yard receiver with 14, 13, yeah, 13 touchdowns between the two of them on close to 100 targets. And they, and they got a pretty good catch rate on those targets. Um, those two guys together, they make up, like, like I, I don't think it would be too much of a hot take to say Iowa has probably the best tight end tandem in the country. And, and yet, I hear a ton of, they need to use Fant more. Noah's not involved enough. Um, you know, I, I've seen some... Some Nebraska people that are like, oh my gosh, Noah Fant could grad transfer to Nebraska and play his last, play one final season in Scott Frost's offense. Like, why are those things happening? Like, why why is there, um, I guess, angst over the way that the tight ends have been used this year? Oh, that's a good question, man. It's just been, okay, so like, in the in the second half against Northwestern, um, Noah Fant had eight snaps. Um, and there was a lot of short yardage situations where he, he should have been used more. And Noah Fant's brother is very active on Twitter and has been saying all sorts of all sorts of stuff and and you know that, that say what you will but that, that stuff leaks back into the locker room and you know Noah's been asked about it and it, it's just it, it's just been kind of it's kind of messy um, as as far as all that goes and you know it's just T, TJ's TJ's had a game where he had nearly seventy snaps and you know it, it's just it, it's one of those things that you know people are like yeah like you know they're both really good. Like, why are they not on the field together more? Why are they not in the field more? And, you know, they, they, they've been Iowa's, you know, most reliable source of offense throughout this entire year. And, you know, everyone's just like, these are the two best tight ends that have come through Iowa since probably Dallas Clark. And, you know, it's like, it's like, why, <laughs> why are they not on the field more? And I, I guess that's kind of what it comes down to is, you know, and, and now with the, you know, with pro football focus and people like me doing stat counts and stuff, you know, people are more aware of, of how much how much these guys are on the field because, you know, before that, it's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're playing out there. He had eight catches or four catches or whatever. But, but now it's the people are, like, paying more attention to the usage and stuff like that. And I think it's it's just been an interesting shift in how people view view things. It's like, okay, like, these numbers are right here. And then you have the you have media members asking, you know, all these questions about this. And, you know, it, it just kind of blows and and, you know, uh, pulls up into a big story and rolls into, you know, something else. And so it's just, I, I think that to kind of answer your question, it's just been, you know, more along the lines of people just think they need to be on the field more and they're aware that they're not on the field more than they, maybe they would 10 years ago. So it, it's just been kind of a, a whole cluster of things that have kind of, um, you know, rolled into a, a situation where people are really questioning a lot of the decisions that the coaching staff is making. Are you one of those people that is questioning why he's not on the field more? Absolutely. I mean, no, no offense. I was most athletic player in their best draft prospect. I mean, you know, TJ Hawkinson will probably go in the third round, fourth round, something like that. Cause you know, he, he's a, he's a fantastic athlete too, but uh, no, no fan is most, is, is the, is the biggest star player to come through Iowa in years. And if, if he was in a different offense that used him more, and, and so have, have even more targets, you know, he would be, he'd be an all-star. And, and I think if he's going to go along the lines of uh, George Kill, who, who plays for the 49ers now, you know, he's a second year player that's blown up, but you know, at, at Iowa, George Kill was, he was a good player. I mean, he, you know, he, he, he made a lot of plays, but he wasn't, it's just like, you, you realize how good these guys are after they leave Iowa. And, and it's just, it's, it's this way for a lot of players. And, and like I was saying before, like, you know, Kirk's kind of petty with a lot of things and, you know, Noah, 
has has been on Instagram and stuff and, and, and said some stuff about not, not, nothing like bad, nothing like, like team chemistry shattering, but, you know, just like it, it's a little stuff. And I'm, I'm sure it, you know, goes back to, to the locker room and to the coaches and they see that and they, and they get vindictive. And, you know, I, I don't know, man, it's just, it's just, it's just been kind of frustrating with, with, with that specifically. And really it, it, it's a, it's, it, it's a, it's a small part that, you know, is, is, is more, it should, you know, it, it show it's like the it's it's the season and and this year boiled down into like one instance is is with what's happened with Noah Fant and the tight ends and stuff like that. It's kind of an interesting subplot for an offense that. Um... I mean, I thought they were going to look a little bit better than they have looked. Let's talk about the the running backs a little bit because Iowa goes from a guy in Akron Wadley that was that was really really good for a couple of years for them, and now they they're kind of going. I mean, it looks like they're kind of going with three guys. Is it has it been a rotation, a committee, or has it been like they'll use a guy for one game and then he'll get hurt, or they'll go to a different guy for another game? Like how what's the running back usage look like? Because right now they've got three guys that have close to a hundred carries. Correct. And, and it's just like you kind of hit it on the head. I mean, it's been injuries. It's been other stuff. Um, that guy, Sargent, is, is, their best, is their best running back, in my opinion. Um, he, he leads the team in rushing. But more than that, he's, he's good out of the backfield, catching a few passes. And I, I owe running backs really don't catch very many passes, especially since Akron Wildly left. But, um, you know, he's, he's definitely the third down back. Uh, Torn Young's usage, and this is this is another usage thing. Torn Young has been has been absent for first half, for second half, for for just weird situations, and, and it's like you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Like he's a pretty good running back. He's a downhill guy, and he's going to hit you really hard. Um, but he just hasn't been on the field sometimes. It's like why is he not on the field? Like what? Like why are you going shotgun on third and one when you have a you know a two hundred thirty pound back that's just going to smash somebody? And then as far as uh, Ivory Kelly Martin goes, he's he's had injuries all year. He had a concussion. Uh, he's had ankle injuries. Um, and, and, like, when he's on the field, and especially towards the later part of the year, he was Iowa's most trustworthy back as far as, you know, he would get the start and he would get the carries in the critical situations. But, um, you know, all three of them are pretty young guys. I think Torn Young is actually the oldest. But, um, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just kind of been by committee. Um, but, like, Sergeant will – Will be more of the third down back. He's really good in pass protection. Um, Torn Young is your, you know, your bruiser, and Ivory Kelly Martin's just kind of your, um, your every down back, honestly. But Kelly Martin might not even play, so um, he's. I, th- I think he will, but he, he's at least questionable right now. So it, it past couple games, it's, just, it's mostly just been uh, Mecca and uh, Torn getting the bulk of the carries. Okay, so two of the three are available with a question mark on the third. Correct. Okay. Let's talk about uh, the, the the defense because, you know, Troy Walters, Nebraska's offensive coordinator, made a comment earlier this week that uh, Iowa's defense presents a lot of the same issues that, that Michigan State's defense did um, in the sense that, you know, there's not, a, there's not a ton that they do, but what they do, they do it really well. And Walters made the comment that they're a better defense than Michigan State, at least statistically speaking. I don't know if I'll go that far, um, but they're having a good year. But also, I'm looking at the defense, and I don't see maybe this is just an outsider that hasn't really watched a ton of Iowa football this year. But I don't see like I don't see a Josie Jewell. Is that correct, or is there a guy that Nebraska needs to Nebraska fans need to be um, need to to be ready to watch on Saturday, on Friday? Um, I mean, AJ Epinesa defensive end is Iowa's best defensive player. Um, the stats don't necessarily jump out at you. 
Um, but the tackles, but he, he leads the team in tackles for loss and sacks, um, despite playing about 30 snaps a game. Um, he, he doesn't start, but he's, he's Iowa's a uh, third down guy that comes in on third down. And, um, he, he's, he's also the defensive end with the second unit. Um, well, he was big 10 defensive player of the week last week. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Cause he, he had an absolutely phenomenal game against Illinois. Uh, he had a uh, sack and a half, uh, a forced fumble, um, a fumble return for well, forced fumble and returned it for a touchdown. And he also blocked the punt. Um, so he's phenomenal. Uh, Anthony Nelson, I was uh, one of Iowa's starting defensive ends, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Amani Hooker, and, and, and this is interesting. Amani Hooker uh, started the season off at uh, strong safety, but uh, due to some linebacker injuries, um, he's played uh, basically. Uh, Nick Nick Saban calls his star. It, it's basically a, a linebacker defensive back hybrid. Um, when, when I do snap counts, I put him with the defensive backs. Um, even though he's playing most of the snaps at linebacker, just because, you know, he's, he's just, uh, he, he, he's all over the place. He's, he's a phenomenal player and um, has, is tied for the team lead in interceptions. Under, is really good at undercutting uh, um, routes, uh, uh, like especially stuff underneath. Um, he's really good at cutting those off and, and picking up passes and getting past deflections. And um, he just kind of got thrust in the role because of the, linebacker injuries and and it's really started there and and, and the thing that's a lot is, is Gino Stone um he's a sophomore uh young guy um stepped into the safety role and just been phenomenal and it kind of got to the point where they, they they couldn't take Gino Stone off the field but they also couldn't take uh Amani uh, Hooker off the field just because they're both playing great so they just moved Amani to linebacker and you know just just, just kind of let him get work and it's just really and I think I think one of the things that's going to decide this game is really you know how well uh, Iowa's uh, defensive line plays against Nebraska's offensive line because when when Iowa's getting pressure and and they're forcing quarterbacks into bad decisions and you know they're the, the defensive linemen are taking care of their assignments in the option game and and are, are doing a good job containing stuff. I mean that that that's when Iowa's been just great this year and and if, and if Nebraska gives uh, Martinez even just a little bit of time to to throw the ball. They're 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 gonna they're probably gonna have a little bit more success and I, I know I know it might sound obvious but just just like watching them this year it's just like that has been the difference with the defense because I mean Iowa's secondary is fine it's it's nothing it's nothing crazy good I mean they're okay but you know if if that defensive line gets that pressure Iowa really hasn't gotten beat when that's happened this year and the times that they have is when um, you know the the opposing offensive line has has been able to um, hold off that that really nasty pass rush. Um, and, it's, and it's eight guys too. I mean, you know, Iowa Iowa plays basically two two defensive lines, and um, they're, they're they're both they're both pretty stacked with with guys. And um, you know, it's just I, I really think it's going to come down to how the uh, the Iowa defensive line plays against uh, the Nebraska offensive line. Well, because I think running running the ball is going to be well running the ball is going to be important because passing the ball I think is going to be at a premium. Like the the forecast for this game, it looks like it's going to be rainy. Looks like it's going to be um, poor weather conditions. Again, that would be the second straight time Nebraska's played in um, less than ideal conditions for an offensive day. Um, does that, if, if that's the case, if the weather doesn't cooperate, and if it is kind of a, a rainy, grinded out, you know, stereotypical Big Ten game, does that favor Iowa and, and, and its its ability to run the ball um, and be kind of a, a, a bone crushing defense? Kind of, I mean, using <laughs> the old, old formula for Big Ten success. Like, does that does that favor Iowa, or does you know, do you are you worried about Nebraska's ability 
Nebraska's offensive ability to be explosive against Iowa's defense? Um, that'll be interesting because I was, uh, I was honestly, I was run defense has been fine, but it hasn't been quite as good. I mean, the the, the defensive line and is is good about getting into getting into backfield. And they're really good at stopping like options and, and such like and stuff like that, especially against Maryland. They were just phenomenal stopping their, um, you know, their, their, their motions and their power jet sweeps and stuff like that. Um, so that will actually be really interesting, and it'll it'll be because and you kind of mentioned this earlier, but you know Iowa doesn't have a Jesse Jewel this year. I mean, you know they, they've got some good defensive players, but they don't have that run stopping linebacker like they used to. And it's it's really been if teams can can get some kind of push, you know, average around four four point two somewhere in, in that neighborhood of yards for rush against Iowa, you know, teams have found success, and you know I. I you know, I haven't watched Nebraska all that much this year, but um, I, you know, they can run the ball, and you know, it'll be, it'll be, it'll like. There's just another really interesting subplot to this game. It'll be, you know, how, you know, will Nebraska be able to run the ball? And honestly, I, I kind of have a feeling they will. I mean, I, I just do, and it'll be, it'll be something, definitely something to watch, whether they can or not, and. Okay, so let's talk about predictions then. Let's just move on to that. What I mean, what happens on Friday, and who wins? I don't know. I mean, honestly, if this game was in Memorial, um, I'd probably pick Nebraska. Um, I just, you know, we 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 kind of mentioned it earlier. You know, it's, it's hard to get a read on this team, and you know, I always beat bad teams and lost to mediocre and good teams. And you know, I would the way Nebraska's playing right now. I mean, they're a good team. And I, I, they're going to test Iowa. And I mean, as much as they've already been tested, but you know, it's kind of hard to say that at the end of the year. But um, you know, they're going to they're going to do some things that I, I don't know if I was going to be able to stop because you know Nebraska's offense is is obviously uh, very explosive. And you know, will Nate Stanley be able to complete passes against Nebraska's defense? That's another big subplot. Nate Stanley does not play well, and whether that's not perfect. I, and he didn't play well against Penn State. He didn't play well against Wisconsin. He didn't really play that well against Maryland. Uh, and in all of those games, the, the common denominator right there was either wind or it was rain. And, and if it's really rainy and nasty, um, you know, Iowa won't be able to pass the ball as well. And, and when that happens, I would, I was not an explosive running team. I mean, I, I think they're last in the Big Ten and, and, near the, and, and near the bottom of the entire country and, and plus 20 runs. Um, plus 20 yard runs and explosive runs like that. I, they're, they're, they're not a very explosive running team. And if it comes down to that, then, then they're going to have some issues. And, you know, Nate Stanley has a thing with his hand that he's kind of injured too. And, you know, it's better now than it was a couple weeks ago. And he hasn't actually missed any time because of it. But, you know, it's just it's just another little thing. Like, is which Nate Stanley are we going to get? Are we going to get the guy that looks like he could be a, a first two-round two draft pick because of his size and how big he is? Or... Are we going to get the one that's going to throw, you know, two interceptions and fumble the ball at least once, you know? And and I think the weather's going to have weather's going to be part of that. And but to 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 get to get to the point, I think I think Iowa wins, but I think it's a real close game. Ooh, we got Iowa win. Okay, what's the score? Uh, put me on the spot. I um, am. You got to give me a score. Like, <laughs> like like probably like twenty four to twenty or something like that. Um, Okay. Uh, 
it'll be it, it, it'll be interesting. Maybe maybe it'll be more like the Northwestern or like fourteen to ten or something like that. But. All right, Jordan uh, from Blackheart Gold Pants, Montana Standard. I will link to his Twitter account in the description on our site. Make sure you follow him if you want some um, fun tweets. I guess fun hashtag content. Um, I'm sure Nebraska fans probably don't want Iowa stuff, but he he writes really good stuff. So follow him um, if you can. Jordan, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. It was a blast. Had fun as yeah, always. Dude. Absolutely, dude. It was, it was great to be on here, man. And I will uh, let everybody know when I beat you in fantasy basketball this year. As you should. Okay, guys. So let's talk about the actual football game that will be played no, thank you. on Friday. Too bad. Um, you're off my group. <laughs> I think this is where, like, all we were supposed to say is just, like, Noah Fant, Noah Fant. Except it hasn't football. been Noah Fant this year. It's been no, TJ he's Hawkinson. he's been missing. So let's all make... let's has been MIA in let's action because... Let's speculate if he could leave and come to Nebraska because I love that. That's been fun on Twitter. No, he's 100% going to the NFL. <laughs> oh, you know, I managed sure. to avoid that until yesterday. Like, is I that heard a thing about that's happening? Oh, yeah. yeah they're, they're like, he's going to, like, he's he knows what he... I'm like... He's going to go to the NFL and get paid. He yeah, ain't coming to play for Scott Frost, no matter how great Scott Frost is. Money? Come Scott to Nebraska. <laughs> Money, Money versus Scott Frost. Scott Another Frost. two years. He'd have to sit out a year. Yeah. No, it's not, if he grad transferred, yeah. he'd have to sit out. Oh, but then like, there's, oh, there's no way it's happening. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm oh, not trust me, I've seen all of the like, There are all sorts of conspiracy this theories. For the record, <laughs> these are the exact same conspiracy theories that people are having of like, okay, how can 5-7 and seven Nebraska get to a bowl game? I'm like, there is less than a 1% chance. Hey, if there's a bowl committee, if there's a bowl game that wants to pick 5-7 and seven Nebraska over a 6-6 six and six team, they could. It's also not how it works. <laughs> no, it's really not. So Iowa it's versus Nebraska. Iowa versus Nebraska. So no, a lot of a lot of the talk this week has been about how, on both sides of the ball, really, Iowa presents a similar challenge as what Michigan State presented, and so it kind of makes the shorter week um, a little bit easier in the sense that they're game planning for a lot of the same looks defensively. Troy Walters talked about how. Iowa doesn't do a ton. They don't like they're they're not going to disguise a ton of stuff pre-snap, but they're really good at what they do. And what they do is just they're in their fits. They don't make a ton of mistakes and they force you to beat them. And that was a lot of what Michigan State did. And then offensively, it's a pro-style system that has opened up a little bit more under the new offensive coordinator. Um, but at the end of the day, they still Iowa wants to run the ball down your throat and they want to beat you with defense. Mm-hmm. Is that Last, I mean, last week it, it was a 9-6 game. A lot of that was elements. Um, well, I was going to say, speaking of the elements, they're not going to have snow this week. It's going to be much warmer in Iowa City. Thankfully, the Midwest is going to be. 40s. But it's, yeah, high of 46, um, but a 90% chance of rain. Um, wind south-southeast at 10 to 20 miles an hour. So, like, wind kind of will be a factor. Not as strong of gusts as what they faced against Michigan State. But it seems like it's going to rain quite a bit because they're saying rainfall expected during the day at a near quarter of an inch. So it's not so going not to be... So not great passing conditions again. It's not going to be great passing conditions again. But also a wet field can also create issues as far as the run game is concerned too. So you definitely have the potential to get exactly what you... Which is unfortunate because I just realized Stanley Morgan is 77 yards from 1,000 and it just doesn't it. feel like the conditions are super great for... He'll get it. They'll get it to him. Um, They're just like constantly like, okay, we're going to do this two yards at a time. We can't get the ball much further because it is literally pouring. 
but nineteen well, catches for eighty. Yards. They lose. <laughs> they lose like eighty to like three, but they're like, but we got him a hundred yards. Stanley got a thousand. That's all that matters. <laughs> so they won last week nine six. Um, Frost made the comment that he was like, if you told me we would win a football game here without scoring an offensive touchdown, I would have called you crazy. But last week they proved that they could win a game that was low scoring, like to the nth degree. And Michigan State is a much better defense than Iowa's is. So are you then concerned at all about this week and the way things set up, or do you like the way it sets up for Nebraska, given, you know, same game plan, back-to-back weeks, a little bit better conditions, and what they went through last week? I like the way things set up as far as Iowa's defense against Nebraska's offense, just because they're not as good as Michigan State. Um, I'm not as I'm not as concerned about the conditions because it is. I just don't think it's going to be. It should not be as bad as last week. But I am concerned that you're just playing another really physical football team that likes to run it at you all game long um, with two really physical and good tight ends. Like, on a short week, when you have a lot of guys that have bumps and bruises like they tend to do at this time of the season, like, I just don't like that matchup for Nebraska. Like, I, that, that, that part concerns me, is playing another really tough physical football game on a short week. This is when... Zach Duvall comes into play. Well, and I was going to say, this is also where the offense is going to have to learn how to burn the clock just a little bit more for the defense because they really, like, the defense knows. Eric Shenander's defense is on the field a lot, and they know that. They're going to give up yards because they're just on the field a lot, and the offense is not necessarily going to burn the clock quite a bit. But if it starts to get into the like the spot where it's run, run it right at the defense and they're starting to get tired, the offense is going to have to also find a way to burn the clock just a little bit and get – to give the defense just a little bit of a break. See, I don't. I totally disagree. Like I've never. I don't agree. I don't agree with that at all. I. I want no. I want Nebraska's offense to do what they do. Like it. It, it depends to me on whether or not their the offense is good. Like and that sounds like well, yeah, like, well done. Well, but if they like, can run what they want. Yeah, to. if they can, if they have to be able to score points, like regardless of if they're doing it quickly or if they're able to like burn clock. Like I just don't like my fear with this. I'm not offense, saying they need to stay on the field and do what Michigan State did in the third quarter where they burn an entire quarter. I'm just yeah. saying like if they. I'm just saying, yes, they need to play their offense, but as they start to get into the later parts of the game, mm-hmm. and actually that's what this defense says they try, this is what they try to do with the offense, is yeah, at the beginning of the game, the offense is going to run what they do, and they're going to do what they're good at. It's later in the game, as things are starting to kind of, especially if Nebraska has a lead, they'll try to help the defense out just a little bit. That's not like, they're not like I said, they're not going to pull Michigan State and stay on the field for like 13 minutes. But Here's the misconception. They have done that. I was going to say, I feel like they have tried they have. that a couple so of times. So Northwestern game, yeah. they ran a 15-play, 97-yard drive that ran five and a half minutes off the clock. Against Minnesota, they ran a, where is it at, 14-play, 82-minute drive that ran seven minutes off the clock. 82-minute minute drive? 82-yard. Yes. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> that was the longest drive. They actually it was like, just, finally, finally. Finally. <laughs> they actually kept them on the field longer than the entire game goes. <laughs> How many minutes are in a quarter again? <laughs> I'm sorry, Derek. No, I think 14 play, 82 yard. I am not done. 82 (laughs) yard drive that ran seven minutes off the clock against Bethune Cookman. Nothing. Against Illinois, they had the 17 play, 82 yard drive that ran 748 off the clock. So they have. And all of those have scored, and all of those have come in the second half. Like, I. Yeah, it's in the later part of the game. I have gotten the sense from Frost that this offense knows when they need to string one of those drives together. 
because the play calling changes up a little bit and they get into a little bit more of let's feed Divine a little bit, let's get him a rhythm going. They know, like, this offense knows when they need to give their defense a little bit extra break because every single defense needs a little bit extra break at some point or another. These guys are playing 80 snaps a game, 70 snaps a game on average. Like, well, you just need a little bit more time. And this offense has shown the ability to do that. Yes. And I talked to I talked to Trey Neal a little bit about this. And he said, he was like, the offense, you're, you're exactly right. They know when they need to step up and do that. Um, and it's, it's, like, I think there's a little bit of, like, what we're both saying in this. When they come out on, sa- on Saturday, on Friday, that offense runs its offense. They do what they do to get that game started. They get that thing rolling. They're looking for points. Um, as they start to get into the second half of the game after halftime, if Iowa's def- or if Iowa's offense is just running it super hard at Nebraska's defense and they need a break, I think that's the that's the cool thing about this offense is like you were pointing out, they know how to string one of those type of drives to keep the defense off of the field, give them a little bit of a rest, and then they can get back at it. And I think that's the big thing that you have to be wary of with some of these Big Ten teams that are just going to keep running at you because you don't want to run your defense in the ground. You got to find a way to also give them a break. But not like I'm not talking like the whole game. Although I get, now I get what game. you're saying. Yeah. Now right. I understand what you're saying because there are there's a, a school of thought out there that Nebraska for the whole game needs to switch this up. So you were no. saying that? No, I really uh, and I didn't say this very well. And Derek actually helped out. Like so, good job because he explained it better. It's more in the second. It's a lot of times in the second half. When I'm the defense with you. Is starting I'm, to like. I can go with you there. Yeah. No, it's I don't one, want. You just need one. Just you one. one. Otherwise, I am like of the mind that they need to go 100. percent so they need to then go 95% at all times because that I'll take that one drive. Otherwise, I feel like you're taking the magic away from this offense. Yeah, 100%. They need to run their stuff, and they need to just do what they can do best. But they also have been good about finding the right spot at the right time to have one of those drives where it's like we're going to slow it down because that's a changeup for the defense too. It's like we're going to – for the other team's defense. We're going to slow it down. Yeah, we're going to milk some clock. We're going to hit you with something new that you haven't seen all game, and we're going to give our defense some time to rest. So – to me, this game comes down to can Nebraska stop Iowa's running game? Because Iowa, like we said from the jump, Iowa for the longest time has been hard-nosed running the football, play defense. They don't, they, they don't have a great running back this year. Like they came from Akram Wadley, and they don't really have one guy this year. They've got three guys that have really kind of – Ivory Kelly Martin has got 92 carries. Torin Young has 115 carries. Maggie Sargent has 126 carries. The, the last two guys are over 500 yards each. They're around four and a half yards a carry. But they don't really have one guy to me that's like, oh, yeah, he's he's a bell cow and he's going to kill you if you give him the opportunity. Nebraska has one of those guys and divide on Sigbo. But to me, this is about can you limit Iowa's running game, put the game on Nate Stanley's shoulders, and, and force him to have to make some plays? Because Nebraska's defense right now to me is playing as um, aggressive as they have played in a long, long time. Since probably since I've been here, um, and, and they're starting to capitalize now on mistakes that offenses make. So if you can get Stanley, because he's made mistakes this year, if you can get him, what's his interception? He's got nine picks on the season, 58.6% completion percentage. If you can get him into some of those long passing downs, into some long third, third downs, if you can get them into some situations that they don't want to be in as an offense, I think you can have a lot of success as a defense against Iowa, and then you proved last week that you could, I mean, fix the fumbles a little bit, but you proved last week that you could move the ball against a defense that was as tough as Michigan State's, and this defense is a little bit lighter. 
Yeah, and I think that going to the offense for Nebraska, I think that they should have confidence after being able to do something against Michigan State and based on what they did against Ohio State as well. I mean, like they should not come into this game intimidated by the Iowa defense. Um, and that's why I think that Nebraska should, the other big thing for me, in addition to them stopping the run game, would be if Nebraska can hit Iowa for some big plays. Like, you're going, this isn't, it's always tough to have, like, a whole bunch of those long, sustained drives that get for, hit for touchdowns. Like, you can have that one <laughs> per game that they really dial in on. But Nebraska is built on being a big play offense, um, and they need to be able to have some of that show through in this game as well. And Iowa doesn't give up a ton of those. Place. They're second in the country in big play rate. Aaron, what do you think? How do you, what do you think decides this game, like keys to this game? I mean, I think... Oh, gosh. On the spot. I know. Well, I've been trying to think about this game all week and what I think Nebraska needs to do, and here's the, here's the best way I can say it. Nebraska just needs to play just needs to play their game of football because I think a team like Iowa can sometimes it kind of goes back to what Frost said when he was hired that he hopes the Big Ten has to change its systems to Nebraska and not Nebraska changing its systems for the Big Ten and Iowa Iowa tends to play like a very traditional Big Ten football team and that can sometimes, and I'm not saying Nebraska will do this, but I think this is what has happened in the past is Nebraska tries to change what they do and change what they do well to combat combat with a team like Iowa is going to do. And I think there was a lot of positives to be seen against a team like Michigan State that they were able to just, like, adapt, run their, run their offense and figure it out and get out of there with a win, and that's what you have to do against a team like Iowa. So for me, I think it's just a big piece – to, to this whole puzzle is Nebraska can't lose its style of football if Iowa makes things tough. They got to just like they just got to like settle in and just keep moving. And I mean, Iowa's going to be it's going to be interesting. I Frost was the one who said, you know, they're sound in what they do. Nebraska needs to be just as sound in what they do. And that goes back to like Adrian when he says like Verdusco gives him a hard time about, you know, don't make things up. He can't make things up. You got to just play your style of football, play your game, and just do what you do well. And the defense also needs to play like it did against Michigan State and not like it did against Ohio State. Or no, 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 against Ohio State. I meant Illinois. Oh, my gosh. My, I meant also they played – the defense played really well against Ohio State, so I don't know what my brain was just – but, yeah. So just play your style of football. Don't – if you know, if Iowa gets an early lead, don't let that – I think that's the thing that we've been waiting for all season is like Nebraska to fall apart when a team gets a lead and they haven't done that. So as long as they can keep, if that happens, you know, I think, I think it should be a pleasant surprise for Iowa if Nebraska just goes in there with some confidence and just does, does what they do. Iowa's a better offense than Michigan State is, but it's not, it's not by much statistically. 63 to nothing looks huge, but it's like, don't get swept up in that. I think it's Illinois. Um, Offensively, they're not much better than Michigan State was. If Nebraska's defense plays the way it played against Michigan State, I don't think this game will be close. Uh-oh. Are you, you veering? Is your, so prediction time. You're veering into... We're getting to that point where we, we should start talking about predictions and wrapping this up. Yeah, because yeah, we have to get to practice. We do. 
You go ahead. You got Mr. Blowout over nope, there. I'll, I'll save mine for the end. Great. Uh, I feel like this is where I'm about to get side eyed from Derek. I don't like this matchup for Nebraska. I just I just don't like the timing um, and the physical nature of the game for this one. Um, I like Iowa in a close one though. Uh, low school, lower scoring, 24-17 Iowa. Wow. I've been looking at some of the predictions and like there's a what Wide is range I assume. What is the over under? I do not know. Take the under. Hammer the, yeah, under. hammer the under. Hammer the under, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I learned my lesson last week. Take the under. But I feel like I. Unless it's weird Rams to count Chiefs. on. Yeah, it's weird to count on Nebraska's offense to be held down for another week. Like, and it's odd to think that they're already at that point that I should not be picking their offense to sputter a couple of weeks in a row. That's the other thing that's giving me pause on my 24-17 prediction, just to okay. put that out there in the ether. Because they could, that covers me in case Nebraska yeah. goes out there and explodes on offense. There you go. You've covered your bases. You've hedged your bets. Oh, I feel like, see, like, this is where I, I will say this. Like, I want Nebraska to win because contrary, there's always kind of this idea that, like, we don't have, like, I don't have a rooting interest. Like, I, I feel like it's hard to explain this. At the end of the day, my job is my job. Whether Nebraska wins or loses, it's more fun to cover a team when they win than when they lose. But like, you it, have a rooting interest in the people. I have a rooting interest in the people, and I feel like after the last few weeks, like I would love to see these seniors go out with a win. So like, that's where like I'm really being pulled. I feel like it's going to be a toss up. I feel like I don't even think they're going to get to. I feel like it could be like, I feel like it could be like 20 to 17 Nebraska, or like go flip the other way. I I'm even hesitant to say they hit 20 points both sides, especially if it's going to rain as much as they're saying it's going to. So like I'm even like wondering if like 17 14 is like too low, or but then after the 9 6 win, I feel like nothing is too low at this point. But I think like I'm like really struggling to pick who I think will win, but I think whoever wins between the two of them will do so by it by I feel like it'll be less than a touchdown. It'll be like a field goal, and I'm I'm somewhere under 20 points, and I'm like now just staring at this entertainment purposes <laughs> information. They have it as 37, 36.8 to 25.4. Whew. That's a lot of points. So here's where I was at before you made your, uh, I don't think the offense can be held down two weeks in a row comment. I was at 24-13 Nebraska. Okay. That's where I was. That's a good defense right there. It's a Not good defense. Most. Good <laughs> defensive performance. I think they... Have figured some things out defensively. Okay. That was where I was at. Uh oh, we pushed you off. You pushed me up. Oh, oh, okay. Nebraska's gonna win fifty to ten. Five to ten. I can see this How being a. I can see this being a thirty-five twenty-one game. Okay. Whew. I would love to. I feel like Nebraska I say this all the time. Yeah, I feel like I say this all the time. But I, the first drive, I feel like it's gonna tell me so much this week. Mm-hmm. Because if Nebraska goes out there and just goes right through them and scores a touchdown on that first drive, I feel like we could be heading towards your 35-21. It's not the first drive for me. It's the second drive. A lot of the issues this year have been punch. Okay, now counterpunch. They have gotten better. better But against the really good teams, like against Ohio State, they didn't counterpunch. No. For a while. This is the chance to kind of redo that. They need to counterpunch. Because that first drive – whether they get the ball to start the game or not, like I think, like it'll it'll be seven seven probably after these first two offenses have the ball. I think that's just a feeling out process that will happen. That second drive will be very important. And to me, this game is going to come down to 
Can Nebraska stop Iowa's running game, and can the defense continue to create turnovers the way it has over the last however many weeks it has been playing at this level that it's playing? And I think they can. Hence the 35-21 prediction. 35-21, lock it in. Adrian's not going to have two bad games in a row. The offense isn't going to have two bad games in a row. Even though Verduzco said Adrian didn't have a bad game. So. Yeah, they, they were they were happy with this game. Yep. There it That's going to do it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Roll Tide. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We'll have plenty of coverage through the weekend on HailVarsity.com. We'll have stuff Friday from Iowa City. On HailVarsity.com, we will have stuff on our social channels, so follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook. We'll have Facebook Live from the press conference. Greg is still laughing at that. <laughs> I'm trying to power through. We'll have stuff from the post-game press conference on Facebook Live. Um, we will have, obviously, coverage on the website, HailVarsity.com, so just keep it with us. There will be a women's basketball game Friday. There will be men's basketball this week. Saturday afternoon. Saturday. There's and volleyball, volleyball Saturday. Volleyball is both Friday and Saturday. Yep. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff for you to read about. Season's almost over. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We will probably, yeah, we will be back next week to have kind of a wrap it up season podcast. So thanks, guys.